Welcome to Coffee and Conservation, hosted by Dr. Beth Baker, Assistant Extension Professor in the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Aquaculture at Mississippi State University. From water and soil to habitat and food production, Dr. Baker and her guests discuss the necessity and complexity of conservation in the U.S. Hey everyone, welcome back for the last part of our Carbon Market series. In this conversation, you're going to catch myself, my co-pilot Matthew Harrison, back with Dr. Sean Tanger, who's an extension professor here at Mississippi State University, and also Dr. Daryl Jones, who is an extension professor, but who is coming in today with his perspectives as a landowner who has participated in carbon markets. So stay tuned. Enjoy. I'm a small scale landowner and, and like Beth mentioned, uh, and I really can't add a whole lot. I hate to say this, but I can't add a whole lot of caliber to what Sean's already said. I think he did a great job, but, um, I own property in, uh, in Winston County. My sister and I own it together and just tell you for particularly, this is geared more for the landowners. Uh, the NCX program, Sean, is the one that I, I kind of hooked up with and getting in the weeds a little bit. Uh, as Beth and Matthew do, I, I conduct extension workshops from the wildlife department and what Beth mentioned, natural resource enterprises. And Sean was on target with this green trees, that other program he mentioned. They have, I have invited them to speak at our landowner events in the field and in Jackson and auditoriums and whatnot. And, and they pretty much, just what he said, they were geared primarily for Delta ground um, and looking at afforestation of, of uh, Delta lands and using, as he said, primarily hardwood plantings, not extensively, but hard, primarily oaks. And they use cottonwood as trainer trees, so to speak, in these, in these alluvial, in the alluvial Delta ground. Uh, but they, from the workshops, just getting to your to your question, Beth, uh, they really got, I thought, good traction at my NRE workshops because landowners there were interested in this. You know, they were hearing from good folks like Sean and getting a little bit more familiar with carbon capture. Like, you know, what is that now? Tell me what I can do and what are the stipulations and what are the restrictions on my land landowner objectives, all that kind of stuff. So, um Green Trees was very popular. I think we actually had some landowners funnel into our attendees to funnel into their to that to to their programs. The NCX is what I've I've used. I've got a couple hundred acres in Winston County, so relatively small. It's big ground to me. So Sean, I'm a little fish, but it's big ground to me. Um, but it's it's mature timber. Most of my property, getting in the weeds a little bit more than you want to know, probably most our property is is um, is family ground, and when and then we've added some more. We bought some tracks that are adjacent to us uh, that were actually old Georgia Pacific land. So as you can probably know, that has been um, harvested in the past and primarily replanted to pine. So we have pine stands there, different ages. Most of it is getting a little bit older now, you know, 20 year plus. And then our hard mixed pine hardwoods on my, on my family land is older mature timber. Uh, and NCX, I mean, it was, again, redneck term, it was falling off a log easy. Uh, they, 
I contacted them and it was a far, well, I contacted a, a forest consultant, actually in Winona, and they said, absolutely, we're interested in this. And Sean, you can clean up what I step into here and don't say it right. But uh, what we did is, so they, they took aerials of our property and most of it qualified. We had some pasture land that we have horses on that did not for, because they were, they were taking timber. Beth, getting to you, you know, in the future, maybe with organic matter, soil, uh, uh, good soils where you have good carbon capture, you know, uh, things going on in the soils that are fixing carbon. That would be something we'd be interested in later on our open land, but most of ours is timber, timber ground. So they took most of that. Uh, and they did it, as Sean mentioned, with aerial imagery. Nobody came out to the place, which would have been fine if they did. But I did it all over the phone. They looked at recent aerial imagery and I gave and I did send them the plots, you know, the uh, township, township range information. The uh, forestry consultant pulled it up, looked at it and said, oh, this looks good. Um, they went ahead and got to an agreement with me uh, and put the maps of my property in the agreement. And the only restriction that Sean um, already covered, the only thing that I had to agree to do was to not harvest timber. Now you can thin if we were going, we weren't scheduled to do a thin, but for example, on our property, if we were going to, you know, 20, 25 year old pine was getting ready for maybe a, a timber stand improvement thinning, that was fine. And that was stated in the contract, in the, in the agreement with NCX, that um, if, if we thin, that was fine. But I just, I for, with the with signing of the agreement, I, I forwent any harvesting of timber on a commercial standpoint, any harvesting of timber for one year. So the other thing I think that was, that was advantageous I would have gone longer than that, but for a lot of landowners, as y'all, and not speaking for you that are on here, but landowners get a little bit uh, anxious when you start tying up ground for longer terms. Well, that kind of restricts me what I can and can't do. Uh, but for the NCX contract, it was just a year. I mean, before, I don't know about you guys, but before I get turned around good and find my car, car keys, a year has spun by. So it's not, you know, you're not talking about a long time. And so what they will do, and Sean already mentioned it, they will take, uh, so I'm signed up now on our family land in Winston County. Um, we also have some land in Atala County and we signed it up as well. And it was some agricultural ground, ground that's been uh, afforested, in CRP plantings, primarily in watersheds, mostly oak, and we have some uh, mature timber there. All that land was taken as well. So uh, by in NCX. So in and it's two different agreements because it's two for, two different tracks. But and going back to Winston County, signed the agreement at the end of last year, and at the end when we come up for the year uh, anniversary of it. So the forestry consultant will look, they will look with aerial imagery or come out and inspect, make sure that the timber is still there. And I will be paid for that year of enrollment for year of enrollment. So it worked. Um, it was easy. It was uh, kind of a no brainer for me. We weren't going to harvest anyway. Again, we were growing larger timber, mostly for recreation, for turkeys and deer and 
open ground for bobwhite quail and songbirds and whatnot. So we were, it fit in our management objectives anyway. It was just additional income. Now, in terms of the price, and Sean can clean me up here, what they did there, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know what to bid on with NCX. So what they, so what this, what the consultant did is they packaged up different tracks around the state. And some, I think, uh, Beth, were out of Mississippi as well. And Sean, you said NCX most, I don't know where all they got it, but the maps I've seen is primarily in the Southeast. So tracks in Mississippi and tracks outside of Mississippi. But uh, they put all this in a package and put in a price bid I don't remember what, what our bid is. It's probably $10, $12 an acre somewhere. I'm not going to hold me to that, but somewhere in that range is what we got, we put in for, and it was awarded at that. Now, you can go higher. Sean, this gets into your, your expertise, but if you, it, it's kind of a competitive basis. If you go too high, you can kind of shoot yourself through the head, so to speak, and they, you, your land's not accepted. So I was fine with that. We went in at kind of a lower, a lower end, and that's real similar to the NRE. That's that's similar to a hunting lease per acre. So if I was letting my land in a hunting lease, I might get ten to fifteen dollars an acre. Then on top of that, I'm getting carbon uh, capture credit as well. So again, it's only for a year. And what they're telling me, and again, in the end of the year, we'll know. But they're wanting to re-sign up the property. So we'll see. So I'll do it again. So from again, Beth asked me from a landowner perspective, it was easy, uh, it's additional money. What we'll do with the money is probably put it back into the land. Um, so um, it was a win-win for us. So Beth, did that kind of hit on most of the cylinders there? Yes, thank you. Um, that was fantastic. Matthew, there was another question in the chat. Did you wanna? Yes, yeah, so I can look at that. Uh, let's see. This question was uh, from Kevin. Can you discuss, uh, either one of you two, probably more Sean than anyone, can you discuss the price per acre that landowners are being offered? I uh, heard one guy say it was $8 per acre and another it was $15 to $16 per acre. So it, Dr. Jones is kind of right there in the middle of that. Um, but I guess you expand on that, Dr. Tanger. Yeah. Um, Again, I have to kind of go by anecdotes that I get from landowners who call me wanting to know about the program and then are, are kind enough to reach back out to me and tell me, you know, what they what their bids were. But the way there that NCX's program works is, you know, you you say how much. So all of your land has to go in. You can't keep half of it out and put half of it in. The whole thing has to go in to avoid that third thing uh, that carbon markets have to have least forest carbon pro projects, which is it has to avoid leakage. You can't over harvest one side while you, you know, hold the harvest back on, on the other and get the, get the carbon credits. Um, but so once you put all your property in there, they'll come back after they do their analysis and they say, well, you have this many, what they call uh, uh, harvest deferral units on your property. And those typically are those harvest deferral units equilibrate uh, uh, to one carbon credit, but they could be as much as, you know, 27 to 30 tons of, of trees that are that are kind of packaged in there. And then they'll say, OK, you know, uh, what do you you know, what do you want for these? You know, if, if you're 
if you're up to that point, you have no commitment. After that, they'll say, hey, do you want to do you want to put in a, a bid? And the landowner will have to figure out with their consultant or by themselves. OK, my opportunity cost of not harvesting is X. So I need that amount of money. As Daryl mentioned, though, one of the problems of the program is it operates on a on a probability. Right. They don't know for sure if you're going to cut. So if you're not going to cut and there's no probability, but in their model, it indicates a probability. Right. Then they'll pay you for really for activity that you were going to do anyway. So it's a little bit of a weakness. But and again, they're still working out the kinks. Uh, everybody puts in bids. All the different property owners in a particular quarter will put in their bids. And basically, they'll take. Um, you know, that the supply side, and then they'll take the consumer side, all the companies that are buying the credits, and they'll find one market clearing price based on all the bids. And if you're over the amount, either as a supplier or as uh, you're under as a consumer, or you're completely out. So if you guess wrong, right, over, if you guess, guess greedy, then you're completely kicked out of the program. If you bet under, that market clearing price that gets all the uh, auction data fed into it and all the bidding. Um, even if you're under the market clearing price, you get the market clearing price, right? So the program is set up to keep that price suppressed. That's why they're doing that. Um, so both of those prices, depending on the quarter, uh, since NCX has been around, uh, that's all in, within the range. I've heard as high as 20, um, but in a particular quarter, if you're in that that uh, cohort, from from everything I've read, you're getting the same price as everybody else, regardless of your timber stand dynamics, your species, uh, you know, your holdings. The only thing that's going to be different could be based on your risk, your probability is how many deferral units they're willing to give you. So all two properties could be identical, but one's closer to a mill. We might give that one more deferral units because there's a higher risk of harvest on that property. So the price would be the same, the number of units would be higher, so your revenue could be greater, but that market clearing price should be equivalent for, for all suppliers for that particular quarter. I was just gonna say on the back of Sean, that as far as I know, the uh, when I signed up, the package of properties that were enrolled, um, we all got the same price. Yeah, so um, so he's he's right on he's right on the money there. But uh, uh, again, to come back just from a nickels and dimes standpoint, it made no sense for me not to enroll. Uh, I mean, it was I mean that my timber was going to stand. You know, I could have a tornado, something, disease, whatever, in the course of a year. Hopefully not. But um, my timber is going to continue to grow, and so. Um, I mean, it was just it was just automatic to sign up to in into this. So um, it's it's a I think it's a win. I, I, and Sean mentioned this. Uh, it, I guess if you're going to harvest and and you missed an opportunity to sell, yeah, that's a consideration. But someone like me that uh, is going to continue to grow timber and using it for multi re, multiple reasons, um, this is a no brainer. 
I mean, it was, it was a good thing to be involved in. I hope I continue, continue to do it. If something goes wrong, I'll come back let, next time, Beth, and tell you all that. But uh, I, don't, I don't envision that happening. I think it's just, it's a, it's a good thing, particularly for a landowner like me that has multiple object, objections on their, um, objectives on their property. Uh, and conservation is one of those. It, it's, it's, right, it's right in the mix. So. Yeah, thanks, Daryl. I have a couple of technical questions because there there is a point where I'm like, I, I really feel like I understand carbon markets. And then we always get to this other point where I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> Usually it's when the economics come in. Are all of the programs you mentioned on this auctioning bidding framework or do some of them have a fixed price? Uh, NCX is the only one that I'm aware of that has this this particular format. Okay, and, and yeah. so we were... You know, we're talking on an acreage basis of enrollment, but then also on this carbon credit basis of payment. Is that correct? Did I understand that correctly, or is it still on an acreage basis of payment? Are you, when they're paying the landowner, oh, right? Can you right, clarify right. that? Yeah, yeah, right. So they're not paying you for your acres; they're paying you for how many, how, basically, how much biomass you have on a particular acre. Okay. And so they're going to come back and say, you've got 500 acres and you've got 5,000 harvest deferral credits because you have X amount of biomass. And that's based on our 27 tons per deferral credit. And there's X, so on and so forth. But no, it's, it's not acreage based. It's deferral, deferral unit based, uh, which means there could be a half of a deferral unit on an acre. There could be one, two, maybe even five. Typically, I, you know, you're for a mature forest for pine. You're probably looking at uh, one to one to three and a half. Just depends on, you know, is it a plantation? Is it on good soil? Has it been managed properly, et cetera, et cetera? But the rest, as far as I'm aware, are on acreage systems. Where moving going forward, they're going to either give you half of the the carbon cre uh, credit uh, money that 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 gets awarded. Or they're going to pay you, you know, some sort of fixed amount on an acreage basis. Uh, so for car forest carbon works, for instance, for the first 25 years you're in the program, based on the conditions of your acreages, you're getting anywhere from 15 to 50 dollars. Uh, but after that 25 year period, unless you renew for another 25 year period, you get no more money going forward, and you're stuck with a 100 year monitoring period. And whoever inher inherits or buys that property from you in the interim, unless you're going to live a hundred years, um, is going to have to have to, uh, they're going to have to take on that burden as it were for being in, 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 enrolled in that program. That's why people like NCX so much. It's one year you're done. Then the, the property is free and clear of any, you know, kind of not easement in this case, but similar works to an easement, right? That the, the regulations on that property, that you've agreed to follow the property, they don't follow you. Thank and you. That's for, oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Well, and for green trees, it's similar. The first fifteen years, you're either going to get half of the carbon income, or if the, if you let them have all the carbon income, then there's uh, different uh, dollar per acre intervals for years uh, one through five, six through ten, eleven through fifteen. Uh, as that cottonwood uh, gets gets old enough, where you can start to harvest. And then for the later years where your oak species are going to be old enough for you to 
to, to harvest a little bit. Um, you can either get half of the carbon income or you can get the timber income. But again, the timber income is not, it's, it's, there's a, re a reduced amount that you can harvest off of that property. Um, but people like green trees for that reason, because I can still, I can still get timber income. Forest carbon works, if you're a small landowner, all practical purposes, there is no uh, timber uh, income that's going to be generated for you. So I don't see that program surviving. I think green trees and NCX, how they're structured now, I think you're going to see that's going to be the two that people are going to buy into because you're you're still able to to capture some some harvest uh, harvest uh, revenues. Yeah, thank you for that clarification. I thought it might be helpful for folks to really, you know, have a sense of check when they're entering into a program, really understanding what they're going to be paid for and how that relates to the acres they manage. And from what you just described to it really sounds like at least, you know, talking with or consulting with the forest management specialist would be helpful to weigh their options and trade-offs and really consider how their management decisions will, will play into, um, you know, their land management goals, like Daryl alluded to, and, and, which profit scenarios work best for them. Because it, even though it sounds like the programs have so much opportunity on the forest side, there are some, some trade-offs to consider. Um, yeah, comparing each program, you know, trying to get them on the same footing is, it, I mean, that's gonna take, it'd take me a couple, you know, looking at a particular property, take me at least a day or two to get it lined up just right so I could say, this program's better for you or this one's better for you. Um, it's not an easy answer. Oh, well, this one's offering $5. This one's offering 10. I'll go with that. Well, there's different time horizons. And so you have to deal with the discounting effect when you have different time horizons for a project, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but as Daryl said, if you're not planning on harvesting or you're kind of, eh, I might, but I could wait a year, then NCX is kind of, why, why wouldn't you enroll in it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, a huge thanks to our panelists today. I think this is a topic we could spend uh, several hours discussing and kind of musing over the, the trade-offs and benefits and what the future markets will look like. Um, so I'm sure we'll at some point have another another webinar on this topic, but many thanks to, to Sean and Daryl for jumping on with us. Thanks for joining us for Coffee and Conservation. To find out more about the topics discussed, visit the REACH website at reach.msstate.com. Edu or the Mississippi State University Extension Service website at extension.msstate.edu.